Welcome to the Birding Life Podcast. My name is Adam, and I'm your host on the podcast where we discover birds and the people that pursue them. This is episode 58, and it's our monthly Birding Life show. This month's episode is filled with lots of great conversation with the Birding Life team. We chat about atlasing, winter birding, have some interesting debates about the Canon PowerShot Zoom, talk about some new books on the market, and a whole lot more. As always, The Birding Life is proud to be associated with Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars, and spotting scopes, as well as the Bird Lasser bird logging app, Spot, Plot, Play a Part. Download and install the app to play your part in social conservation. The Birding Life is a lot more than just a podcast. It's a multi-platform resource to connect birders with each other, amazing locations, the best resources, and obviously where to find amazing birds. Be sure to check out our website, www.thebirdinglife.com, our YouTube channel, our youth podcast, and our various social media platforms. Later on in the episode, we'll get an update from the Widows family on their big year around South Africa that they are doing as a family. So without further ado, it's time for the May edition of The Birding Life Show. So this is the monthly Birding Life Show, and it's proudly sponsored by Outliers Coffee Roasters, coffee with a cause. Every bag of Outliers coffee you purchase, a contribution is made to a cause. Simply by enjoying South Africa's best coffee, you get to make a difference in the world of conservation. So I want to welcome Tyron and Kelvin to the show. Chris can't join us tonight, so I hope you guys are doing well. Hey, thanks, Adam. Good to be back. Yeah, likewise. So I think this has been a bit of a slow month of birding for each of us. I know for myself, I've been working really hard. So how has it been for you guys? Um, yeah, uh, slow is even even just the word. I know that last last time I told you that um, I got back into full-time work and that's really dominated my life. We're expecting the pitter-patter of little feet uh, in a couple of months. So that's also been an occupation of, of mine and my wife. So yeah, birding has taken a serious backseat. Um, Sort of more more things just around birding in terms of um, you know what we've been doing on YouTube and that sort of thing has been has been taking a bit of time. But yeah, obviously uh, keen to keen to get out there as soon as I can. And yourself, Tyron? Yeah, I've mainly been doing um, local birding. Haven't discovered anything amazing, but yeah, I've gone to a few different places and and had some nice experiences in that. And like every morning, I do a bit of local birding in Tahiti and that for about an hour or so. Yeah, so Tyron, you've been taking part in the BirdLife Itaquini KZN atlasing campaign called Color Me Green Itaquini for 2021. And the goal, according to the um, BirdLife Itaquini KZN website, is to color the 47 pentads of Itaquini municipality green during 2021 to maximize and update information on bird distributions in the municipal in the municipal area. So Tyron, how have you been finding the the atlasing challenge and what has what have you discovered as a result of going into new pentads yeah it's an interesting challenge um with both pros and cons the pros being you don't have to travel far to do the birding but the cons are it is a you know a city challenge so to find decent places to go to is proving to be fairly fairly challenging but i have managed to go to a few reserves i've never been to um, I've lived in Durban my whole life, and the other day I went to Paradise Valley for the very first time ever, which might sound strange to some people. And I think I picked the absolutely worst day because it was a public holiday, and everyone yeah. seemed to be there. 
So I just ventured off. It's a great bra venue, that. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone was having picnics and it was like really crowded and everyone is walking to the waterfall. So I just picked a dark path off off the main path and went venturing by myself and uh, actually had a good sighting of a little sparrowhawk, which is a bird I don't often see. So I was quite happy with that. I didn't see the half-collared kingfishers there, which I see people normally do see there. But I've kind of got mixed feelings, even about Paradise Valley. It's like a beautiful reserve, but it's like by the freeways of Durban, so you can hear all the traffic and that. So, you know, on the one hand, it's a beautiful place, but on the other hand, you hear all the cars and the city and that. So that that's kind of been like, you know, uh, an experience I've had for this whole challenge. You find some nice places, but the inner city... And then you've got to look for another area in that pentad to go to. And sometimes it can prove prove difficult to cover the whole pentad because you don't want to go into a township or you don't have a car that you want to drive in the back roads and you've got to consider safety and that as well. So, I was going to say that I think that that yeah, might true. be one of the more interesting things uh, with regards to this challenge is that you're probably going to hopefully, and, and I don't know if it's happened already, but maybe discover you know, some, some birds that have been quite habituated and, and, and gotten used to the sort of city environment where you might not think so. I know, I mean, we, we all are well aware of the spotted ground thrush that comes through to sort of Pigeon Valley and that sort of area. And, um, yeah, there might be some un, uh, uncovered birds in, in those sort of inner city pentads that people aren't even aware of. Um, I'm sure they are. It's just the challenge to to find them. Um, I think Adam's actually more adventurous than I am, obviously, with going to different places and, and outlying areas and that. I stick to the kind of well-established reserves. You know, Adam will go on the back roads where nobody's ever been. <laughs> but I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously there's certain rules for the actual competition. I know the main aim is to color all the all the pentads green. But in terms of if you wanted to, say, win the competition, you only actually have to do a minimum of 10 different pentads. And then it's the person who submits the most atlas cards for the year. So I've actually already done the minimum of 10 pentads. So if I wanted to, I could just do my home pentad until I'm blue in the face. I mean, obviously I won't do that, but I will still obviously mainly do the areas around Toti and Winklesprate and that. But there are some places I still want to, to venture out further and explore that I haven't yet. I think this is where the challenge comes in between the competitive birding versus the conservation side of things because, you know, I know Nicolette Forbes, when they put this competition together, it was really the the big win for this would be that all the pentads are green and that people are going into these pentads and atlasing them properly. But, you know, for somebody who, let's say, wants to win a competition, you know, it's quite easy to kind of rack up a whole lot of pentads in the year and maybe have a decent bird list, but you actually haven't, atlas those pentads as well as you could i mean i know tyron you were saying unless you go to a far flung destination when you when you bird local you tend to go into a pentad and you'll bird that pentad for five days you'll go and you'll try and cover as many different corners as you can and i think that that is as as i think it's an amazing competition it's an amazing initiative but i think you know this is where there's always that that challenge between the competitive side versus the you know doing things properly as they should be done in terms of atlasing protocols yeah no, that's right. The only thing is if there was more people, sorry, if there was more people doing that, I think it would even it out. 
you know, so if there was more people taking part in the challenge, living in different areas of Etzekrini, then they could cover their local areas more extensively. Yeah, I must say the this challenge was right down my alley when Nicolette sent the, the email out about it and uh, it's exactly what I was looking to do this year. I mean, Tyron kind of alluded to it. I'm one of those people who tries to find these pentads that people have in Atlas for a while and goes into the place and I find a, a pentad that's one pentad away from where I stay. So it's about probably a 10-minute drive to get there and uh, I've never been to this place. I saw the last time I had been at list was in 2012. And, you know, I drove up the, 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 the main road that kind of leads out of, out of our area, which is, which is not the best road in the world if you've ever been. It's called the R603. Drove up and kind of was um, following on my <laughs> bird lasso. Not the best driving here, but look, I'm trying to figure out where the best place to turn was. And I turned in and I kind of went past Shabin's and this resident residential area and as i got through the area i ended up after a couple of kilometers getting into a place called adams rural and an absolutely absolutely stunning place waterfalls and rivers and yeah and the time i was there i got uh, quite a few uh, african black duck uh, managed to get half caught a kingfisher crowned hornbill trumpet to hornbill and it's just one of those places I cannot wait to explore. It's just absolutely stunning. It's You get to this place and it's totally rural. Cliff faces and rivers and, oh, it's absolutely amazing. And I think that is one of the things I love about um, Atlas Inc. What's interesting is, is the leader at the moment is a guy called Goth Aston. And he has already got 260 species for the year. And that's quite impressive, the fact that he's just been birding in the Etiquini area. Yeah, no, it is. And he's got some pretty good species for the area, I must admit. And then, um, Kelvin, for this week's newsletter, for those who haven't subscribed to the newsletter, we'll pop a link into the comment section of this podcast. But in this week's newsletter, you wrote about the fact that we're going into winter birding. And, you know, for a lot of people, um, summer is kind of the, the birding season and winter is a bit of a downer for a lot of people. But you spoke about the joys of winter of winter birding. So tell us a little bit about what you're looking forward to seeing as we head into winter. Um, yeah, that's uh, that, that's quite right, uh, Adam. Um you know, especially being, you know, South African and I would say, you know, we've obviously got a very strong birding community in South Africa, as we're well aware of. And, um, you know, the, the name of the game for most people um, is not only to, to see the, our sort of residents, but, but obviously our migrants and then even more special, our rarities and our vagrants. But winter, winter can, can really provide a few great opportunities to see birds that you don't often find um, in and around your area. And, um, my little article focused mainly around my my local patch, which is up on the north coast of, of Durban or KZN, um, in and around Belito. And yeah, I mean, I just find that as soon as the temperature sort of drops, and and certainly when it starts to snow up in Lesotho and the Berg, um, you know, we we are, are, there's like a push of um, uh, obviously resident uh, resident species that are that are here all year round, but they're normally f- uh, found at higher altitudes that that seem to descend quite a bit. Noticeably, the the so the African dusky flycatchers um, that they're a lot more prevalent in winter. The we get the mangrove kingfisher pushing up from Eastern Cape around about this time. If they haven't already come through, they normally in uh, seem to settle quite extensively in around Umlalazi or, or Umtunzini. You know, really really good place to see them. But um, apart from that, uh, you know, just just winter. You know, you might not get all the all the fantastic birds. It certainly makes the the grassland species like your widers, widow birds, and weavers and things like that a lot more tricky because they obviously 
uh, go, you know, they go into out of their breeding plumage, so they they can be quite difficult to tell, which obviously presents quite a quite a unique and and, and great birding challenge for anyone observing those sort of species. What you find from a behaviour point of view, though, uh, certainly when you when you're looking at those grassland species in particular, is that they they tend to flock and 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 they they, they accumulate in these mixed flocks where you can have every, anything from long-tailed um, sort of paradise wider to fan-tailed, all sorts, mixed bag. And um, it, it, it can really be uh, quite a challenge and a fun challenge at least to try and identify them when they're not in their breeding plumage. And one of the things, what, what, one, of the, one of my fondest memories of birding in winter actually is um, uh, going up to the top of Sani Pass and, and uh, being at the, at the pub there for anyone that knows that it. it's inverted commas, they call it the highest pub in Africa, but um, I think there is one higher. Anyway, seeing the Drakensberg rock jumper, which is obviously quite an iconic bird for the area, and it's probably the most reliable spot, but watching this little bird bounce around in the snow and looking for insects and invertebrates um, in and around the rocks in the snow is quite something to see and obviously to photograph as well. So that's why, so, you know, winter can be uh, equally as exciting about summer. And, and, and a point I also made mention, just the, my last sort of point on this, is that you can bird a lot longer in winter. You know, you don't have the harsh African sun um, beating down on you like you do in summer where you've really only got the morning and then the late afternoon to really get stuck into your birding. Whereas in winter, you can pretty much bird throughout the entire day. Um, you know, temperatures certainly on the coast don't reach higher than sort of 24, 23. Obviously, it gets a lot colder inland, but, you know, it, it really presents some great opportunities to go birding in winter at this time of the year. And I saw Luke Allen, who you know Luke Allen quite well. He actually um, tagged us on Instagram. If you tag us on Instagram, you stand a chance of being featured. I'll actually feature this photo tonight. Um, he got a great picture of a spotted ground thrush, which is a really awesome species. It's one of those species that, you know, start showing up, you know, around our kind of areas in winter. And it's it's one of those absolutely stunning birds. So he's really captured an amazing photo. He's actually doing a really, getting some really cool bird photos now, Luke. Eh? Luke's, uh, Luke's birding has come on in leaps and bounds. Um, yeah, I've been fortunate to go birding with him a couple times. And um, He's such a knowledgeable guy, and he's so well supported by his dad, Chris Allen, who is, um, you know, he's he's a passionate fisherman. He's a, fashion, a passionate paddler, where I actually met him first and foremost. But, um, you know, he's really got stuck into his birding as well. So the two of them have got some friendly rivalries. Uh, I spent a bit of time with both of them up in um, Kimberley and, and Bloemfontein towards the end of last year. And um, you, you just hear every bird that they see, they ask each other where they are in terms of their lifeless numbers and things like that. So they've really got a healthy, healthy um, passion for birding. And then obviously Luke's photography has come on in leaps and bounds as well. So really, really great to see um, another young birder coming through the ranks and, uh, and, and putting himself out there. And he's not using, I mean, I'm looking at his equipment. He's using, a, he's not using big, fancy, expensive equipment. And he's getting absolutely amazing photos. I mean, spotted ground thrush, Oh, this photo is like ten times better than my than my best photo. So he's really doing an amazing job with his 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 photography. And yeah, I mean, I've just he's obviously through the birding life. I've been following his journey a little bit, and you know, just seeing the improvements in his photography along the way. And it's great to see. You know, we've spoken about it many times before, but it's great to see these young birders coming through and you know, growing in their passion. And you know, it's it's cool that the photography part comes along with it. It's quite nice, eh? Yeah, and I think I, I think he's testament to to perhaps anyone that's out there that's maybe just getting into birding now for the first time as well. And I mean, we are, I think all of us have been there 
But when you flick onto Instagram or go onto Facebook and you see these amazing photographs of these guys that are taking these photos, you, you can very quickly get despondent and think, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not a, such a great photographer. Or, you know, how am I going to take photographs like that? I think first point that you mentioned is that, you know, the equipment, obviously it does help, but it's not your end all and be all in, 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 in birding and, and certainly in birding and photography. To understand your equipment and to understand how light works is, is really the most fundamental thing about photography. And then the next thing is just take lots of photographs. You know, get, you know, ask ask your peers, ask anyone that's uh, that's around you. How can I improve? What could I have done differently? How could I have composed this picture differently? Getting that con constant feedback. Although you know, some of it might you know might not sit so well. You might be a little bit hurt if you think that you've got sort of a ten out of ten shot and someone you know critiques it in some way. But we're all learning, and and really. You know, like I was, I was talking to someone the other day in a, in a work scenario, and I said, the only thing that separates you from me is just experience. And, you know, the more experience you can get and the, and the more photographs you can take in this case, um, the better you'll get. It's just, and that's the beauty of digital photography is that you don't have to worry about developing film and, and going through reams and reams of film. You can take thousands and thousands of digital photographs or files, if you want to call them that, um, uh, until such time as you, you become the Tyron Dells and the Richard Flax of the world. Huh? <laughs> well, here's, here's my confession. The reality is I cannot remember the last time I got a, a great bird shot. I think, you know, it's like, it's actually this frustration. I've got to try and, and break this bogey. I've gone out with this idea of getting great photos and I go out and I come back. I can actually tell you for the last probably two months, I have not got a, a photo that has been good. It's like, a dry patch is like ah uh, it's so sad eh? <laughs> yeah it does happen like that sometimes i guess i think for the last two months i've been out um birding and i come back and i've got like five good butterfly pictures and zero good bird photos that's that's my story the last two months <laughs> I think, Tyron, that's part of the reason you started taking photos of butterflies because your bird photos were not getting great. You thought maybe you'll get the butterflies. They just sit still for longer. Yeah, but but butterflies are exactly, they're easier to photograph and there are more of them they're closer to you. We'll get back to the Birding Life show in a moment, but as promised, we're going to get a quick update from the Widows family who are doing a big year around South Africa as a family. So without further ado, let's hear from Craig and Christine. Hey everyone, how's it going? I uh, hope you're keeping well. We're coming to you live from the banks of the mighty Orange River. Um, Christine and I are actually doing this in the tent because uh, it's a bit windy outside and the kids, kids have fallen asleep in the car, so <laughs> they're outside. Um, yeah, so it's been an insane month since yeah, we really started. Yeah, it's been um, incredible. So we started again on the on the 7th of April. We started up again mm -hmm. and we started in Imtanzini and that was amazing. Yeah, that was incredible. We went and stayed in Goya Lodge and we actually went with Explozini on a kayak trip um, along the Imlalazi River to find the mangrove kingfisher. And what an experience it was. It really was next level amazing. And we had... Um, three mangrove kingfishers yeah. just yeah. flying over us and just posing for photos it was just yeah super super special yeah that was wonderful and then southern banded snake eagle as well was another cracker which we got down there um yeah very 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 special to see that extremely rare bird um and then we made quite a long trip um up from there to to hood spray to where we stayed uh, up in pridelands conservancy there with a, a painted dog tv team um was wonderful four days there and, and we did some birding um which was great and also just got a wonderful opportunity with the kids just to see some amazing things you know we did a um, a lion procedure which the kids got to 
enjoy and honor and see that up close was wonderful. And yeah, just to be camping in, in, in that, that little conservancy was fantastic. Yeah, and also just uh, we had such a cool southern white-faced owl hunt. Um, there were about eight of us on two safari vehicles driving around, listening to the call and trying to find it. And we were actually intercepted by a, um, a leopard kill. So what an incredible birding experience, let me tell you. Yeah, that was fantastic. And then from there, we went um, through to Bloberg Nature Reserve, which was a stunning, stunning place. Very minimal in terms of the campsite, but awesome, awesome. And there, yeah, our main target there was uh, three banded Corsa, which we got. We got four of them, which was just stunning. And yeah, amazing, amazing to, to get that bird. Um, early on in the year, which was you know, wonderful for us. And then we went up through, met up with the Engelbrecht family and Daniel Engelbrecht went birding with them on the Limpopo River, right um, opposite the um, Botswana, the Tuli block, block of Botswana. Yeah. So yeah, we went up there looking for pearls fishing owl. Um, we unfortunately didn't find pearls, but we connected with Boulder Chat, which is an impossible bird for us for our South African year. So really super stoked with the Boulder Chat. Yeah, it was a very special experience just getting to see it. Um, and the whole lead up and the search for it and hearing it calling, it was just, yeah, incredibly emotional experience for us. Yeah, I know. It was, it was fantastic. Um, and uh, then from there, we have we worked our way down through Marikele uh, into Vitsant um, Nature Reserve. We spent yeah. three nights there, which was awesome, beautifully productive for us. So obviously, now getting into Northern Cape, first time actually being in the Northern Cape proper this year. So starting to connect with those birds, um, Dusky Sunbird, um, what else did we get? The, um, Namaqua. The sand grass. Yeah, we got um, our brew brew finally. <laughs> yeah, finally got our brew brew. Um, so yeah, and then we went and spent uh, the day at Santa Krabi's and managed to get double-banded Corsa there. And then here, yeah, the reason why we came here to Akaya Lodge on the Orange River was for Rosy Face Lovebird, which we have got them flying up and down the river every day, which is super special. And, yeah, yeah, it's been a stunning experience to come into the Northern Cape. It's very different to what we've experienced so far because we haven't been here um, yet this year. And we're actually ticking a lot of bucket list items for our family. So also just finding the different birds that we haven't seen before. They're actually lifers for all of us. So we had a lot of excitement, a lot of really special moments. And we're really excited because we're going to be heading towards the Khalakhadi now over the next couple of days so yeah stay tuned yeah so that's our plan from here we'll head up to the Khalakari main targets there redneck falcon and um, virtual sandgrass uh, as well as just being out there uh, it's just going to be amazing for us so we won't have signal for the nine days we're up there but really looking forward to to connecting with some good birds and just spending some more time together as a family we're super super blessed and at the moment still can't believe that we're able to all four of us travel this incredible country together um so yeah as we as we send you this voice note now we're on 585 is our south africa year list so really happy and and hoping to close down on that massive 600 target over the next uh, couple weeks so stay tuned and yeah thanks again to the birding life guys just for the messages and for giving yeah. us this platform. For the constant support. Yeah. We really appreciate it. Really appreciate it. it. Awesome, guys. Happy birding and we'll chat soon. Bye. Bye. Be sure to follow the Willows family on Facebook and Instagram and follow the exciting journey all around our beautiful country. Their social media doesn't just showcase the birds they see, but also the experiences along the way, the lessons they're learning as a family, and it's just really great material. So let's get back to this week's show. So yeah, um, Calvin, you also mentioned that uh, part of the reason you have been, you've been doing a lot of videos in that, and one of the videos you did was the video um, featuring the Canon P 
PowerShot Zoom, which is an interesting little device. It's small enough to fit into your pocket, um, probably the size of a vape. Um, so here's the question, and this is time to be honest and people are listening. Do you think that this device is going to be a game changer for birders? Um, I, there's no real short answer to that. I, I think if you're going to ask me right now, will I use it and take it birding and, and with me every single time, my short answer will be no. And I, the only reason why I say no is that uh, the battery, the battery life is just not, you know, not sufficient enough for me to to go out birding and to rely on it. Yes, you can supplement it with the power bank, and 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 I know a lot of guys are using it for that. But you don't want to have to be carrying an extra piece of equipment with you when you when you've got the uh, the power shot zoom with you, because then it sort of defeats the object of it being so small and compact and and light and. You know, you want to carry less, not more. From a tool, uh, you know, as, as a birding tool and, and something to supplement your birding, absolutely. I, I think just how light it is um, um, in your hand and to be able to put it in your pocket makes the world of difference. And, and, and I alluded to it briefly in the video, but, you know, in the South African context, we do, you know, we do go to areas like Tyron was mentioning where you might not feel so safe and secure and, you know, to carry a you know 40 plus thousand rands worth of camera equipment on your shoulder versus um you know seven thousand or less whatever it's retailing at now the power shot zoom in your pocket you know that alone is a, is a huge bonus and and probably something that the many overseas reviewers of the same product aren't really focusing on too much because they might not it might not be such a big thing for them but for us it certainly is so uh, as a product and as a as a tool it, it's a it's a real it's it's a really great little piece of equipment, but is it going to change my birding? Probably no. Just you know, just because of what I mentioned earlier in terms of the battery battery life. Unfortunately, because I want to like it more than I do. Uh, the, the 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 it's never going to make you YouTube quality videos, and it's not going to make Instagram worthy photo, photographs. But if it's it's going to help you ID that bird that's just moving so quickly. It's going to help you see the bird in the distance with that 800 mil equivalent zoom. And, you know, it is stable in the hand. If you're someone that's, that's got sort of shaky hands in, in, in terms of how you hold binoculars, it's got image stabilization. So that's another big value add. But uh, for me personally, um, the battery life is, is the sort of deal breaker there for me. I think the other challenge with it is, and I think Tyron and myself were chatting about this, is the fact that, you know, I know it's not a camera, but you can't change the settings in it. So a lot of times birds don't sit where you want them to sit in perfect lights. And a lot of times you end up taking pictures of birds against, you know, quite strong backlight. And then you can't overexpose it. So you literally get this little black blob in the middle of the of the image. And yeah, I think I think it's got its value in terms of the fact that you can keep it you can keep it in your car. You know, it's like you keep it in the car, probably hidden somewhere and all that. But, I, you know, I, there is there is kind of some struggles around it. But, you know, I think for, I think, you know, when we when I first joined BirdLife Fort Natal, there were a lot of elderly flo- elderly folk who came on the, the walks. And for them to walk around with, you know, 500 more lens over their shoulders and that, it would have been very, very difficult. So I think sometimes, you know, for those kinds of people, I think it's a winner. You know, for them to be able to go out and get a record shot of a, of a bird, it's small enough then to put in their pocket and that that's where it's a win. Or... Like Tyron's also, we've spoken about before, if you want to go birding and you don't want to take your camera, but you, 
you're kind of a bit nervous in case you see something that you don't know how to identify or that maybe you've seen for the first time you want to get that photo to Trevor Hodaker or something so you know I think it's like you said it's a very difficult question to answer I think I think it depends on what you're looking for if you're looking for a camera there's better options. If you're looking for something to take record shots, it's probably a winner. So I think it depends what you what it, what is it that you're looking for. Spot on. Um, th- that's exactly it. It's it's um, you know I, I think I also want to just 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 say very or make the statement that although this posi- this this product probably wasn't designed specifically for bird watchers and birding, although that is a it, it seems to be the market where they you know they are targeting somewhat. How exciting is it that companies like Canon and and possibly others are starting to develop these little tools that are, I mean, I think it's only a matter of time until we we fit a fully-fledged, you know, well, I suppose we, we're talking more mirrorless cameras now, but a mirrorless camera with, with 800mm equivalent that takes high-quality photographs in the palm of your hand. I mean, that is the way that the technology is going to go. Remember that this could just be the first iteration of this product as well. I mean, hopefully, if they make a second generation, um, they might have listened to the reviews. They might have, uh, you know, got lots of feedback and and tweaked it here and there to make it into a really game changing product. So it's not that it's it it might not be the right tool for us right now, but who knows in the next year or two when they if they launch a second edition, it could re- very well replace a lot of those big bulky cameras that we have on our shoulders. Well, well, he has an interesting um, comment. Uh, a guy sent us a message, a guy by the name of Francis Hackett, sent us a message on our inbox and he asked us the question. He said the new uh, Samsung Galaxy S21 has this crazy zoom. And he's actually asking us, so he's saying, you know, is it better to get the PowerShot zoom? Or what about a, I mean, what about a, uh, the cell phone? I mean, I haven't, if anyone from Samsung's listening and, want, and wants to give us one to try out. But, you know, it's, it's amazing that, you know, one thing as you're speaking, which is mind-blowing, is that you can literally, with the technology that we are right now, it might not be everywhere where we think it should be, but you can fit an 800mm lens in your pocket. And that's insane. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's a it's an electronic zoom and, and that sort of thing. So it is slightly distorted. And that's exactly the same principle with that um, that S21 Ultra, where you you get a hundred times zoom equivalent on, on, on that little lens. Um, it would That would really be quite an interesting comparison. Obviously, if there is anyone listening, like you said, of Samsung or anyone that has a uh, S21 Ultra that we could give, you know, put them side by side, that would really be awesome. And um, I, I'm yet to see a video like that on YouTube as well. So I think it would really be a great comparison. But yeah, I, I think that the way, the, the speed at which technology is moving, and, um, you know, don't forget, one of the one of the value adds with that product at the moment is that uh, I think for the first 100 um for the first hundred purchases of the the Canon PowerShot Zoom Bird Pro, um, you're going to get a one year's uh, free subscription to the to the app. And a little birdie in inverted commas told me that there could be some um, clever technology that where if you take a photograph on the Canon PowerShot Zoom, you can immediately sync that photograph or, or that image to your your cell phone, and Bird Pro app and possibly others will be be able to identify that bird for you. So for newer birders or lazier birders, depending on which way you look at it, that could really be a huge value add for them. And um, we've seen similar type products from some of the best manufacturers in the world try and, you know, try and do something similar. So I'm not sure what the uptake has been in the market from that. But um, if you ask me, the more of this sort of, you know, the more we use these 
sort of computer vision and clever data analysis and data techniques to identify birds, the better. And I know Sarovsky have got the DG out, which is a similar kind of concept. But, you know, when you compare the two, the pricing of the two, you know, you know, it's, there's a big difference in price. So what are your thoughts, Tyron? I mean, you've been quiet, probably drank almost all of your beer while you've been waiting for us. What are your thoughts on it? Honestly, I think we're being polite. I think they, at the moment, just just gimmicks, to be honest. I don't see how they can compete with, with bridge cameras. If you're worried about the bulk, you know, I think a bridge camera far by our chance these things you can't even change change the settings or the exposure compensation or anything like that that's my personal opinion i don't see any market for it I, you know i would actually love to find someone who's actually bought one of these things you know because i don't know anyone who's bought one i don't know anyone who wants one i don't see any market for it at all but also in terms of burning rated products just be, just to touch on two great products that have well two products have come out firstly a re-release has been fancy peacocks um lbj's book um it's a re-release so they haven't updates a lot of the names and that type of thing but i mean if this book is probably the standard in terms of lbj books in, in south africa southern africa it's been released order it before it sells out again and then another book i got was avian architects we did a review on the website by chris and mathilda stewart and honestly i'm i'm a i'm a, I'm a person who collects bird books and that but this is probably not my favorite bird book i've got for a while i just think you know you know a lot of the photography isn't that great and that type of thing and it's 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 easy enough to lie in bed at read at night but i you know it's not a book i would strongly recommend so that's just two resources that have come out and if you've got any books you'd like us to review just drop us a message we'd love to review some new books but just on a last note um we're really excited that vonine kerr wilson and lynette bossoff have joined the team as birding directory agents. So we've got uh, the Birding Life Birding Directory, which is there for accommodation as well as guides that 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 target the birding industry. And I'm really excited to see how they'll help us grow this part of the brand. Yeah, I think, um, Adam, I, I, as we've seen before, um, people that have signed up for our directory have really got value out of it and um, are, are seeing bookings come through it, which is, which is really what, you know, it's a win-win win for everyone and to have uh, a presence on the south coast for Vaughneen and I think Lynette if I'm not mistaken is down in the Eastern Cape it'd be great to get some uh, some great venues and, and lodges down on on uh, signed up from that sort of part of the world and and to put the Eastern Cape uh, on the birding map I, I see that um, Daniel Dankwitz from from Rock Jump has just done a, a or is, is due to do a video with the conservation con uh, conversations with BirdLife South Africa, all about the Addo uh, Elephant Park. And I think that there's going to be uh, a lot, lot more people taking note of the Eastern Cape as, as a birding destination that possibly uh, would have done before. Oh, well, she's from the Western Cape, but I think she's going to be targeting the Eastern Cape in her, um, the people she's going to be approaching. But, you know, just as you said, I really, we really are passionate about the, the, the directory. We've had to work on it a bit and just figure out a couple of things. But, you know, like, like Calvin used rightly said, for us, the win is not getting people to sign up and to pay their yearly subscription. The win for us is when people actually um, get bookings and get people staying at the accommodation. And I really, you know, for anyone listening that maybe has, uh, has some sort of a has, has accommodation or that kind of thing you know birding being one of the fastest growing hobbies in the world you're actually missing a significant part of the market by not marketing yourself for birders 
Okay, guys, so it's been good to chat tonight. It's a little bit of a shorter show. Um, normally, we, we gab quite a bit when we're in person, and Tyron drinks a lot more wine, so he's, he's been quite well-behaved tonight. Um, but it's been a lot of fun, as always. Beer today. <laughs> Beer today. It's been quite a lot of fun, and again, we just want to thank Outliers Coffee for the, for sponsoring the show and keeping us caffeinated with good coffee. Um, and I encourage you to support their brand. Um, we'll pop a link into the comment section of this podcast. Every um, bag you buy, a percentage goes to conservation and it's really great that it's not just a small it's actually a significant amount that gets given to conservation and yeah we just want to thank john kinghorn jr and john kinghorn senior for for being a part of it guys but thanks for being on the show it's been good to chat and we look i look forward to next month's show yeah no thanks adam yeah thanks for thanks for getting us together again and um yeah cheers man hopefully our lives can start settling down a bit more that we can get out birding and uh, and get together again and that'll be awesome we are proud to be working in association with Wild Books to help get all the best birding resources into your hands at a great price. If you would like to support the Birding Life project and the resources that we are putting out, please click on the link in either the comment section of this podcast or in our social media posts. Your support helps us to improve and hopefully make a bigger impact. Be sure to head over to our website www.thebirdinglife.com and check out all the exciting resources that we have on our website, including our exciting forum section to connect you with the world of birding, birders, and exciting birds out there. Do not forget to follow The Birding Life on Instagram and Facebook. We really appreciate everyone that takes the time to interact with these accounts. Be sure to check out Birdlasser and download the app on either iOS or Android and keep a laugh list while playing your part in social conservation. As well as Swarovski Optic, one of the world's leading producers of binoculars, monoculars and spotting scopes. So until next time, be blessed and happy birding.